besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Hi, it's Brett Phillips here, host of The First Serve, and thank you for downloading the latest edition of Crunching the Numbers, one of our podcast offerings here at The First Serve. You can get your weekly live tennis fix with The First Serve every Monday night on the SCN Radio Network at 7pm Eastern. All the broadcast details of how you can listen can be found at our website, thefirstserve.com.au. Welcome to Crunching the Numbers, the first serve's in-depth look at the art and science of playing the game. Well, welcome to another episode of Crunching the Numbers. I'm your host, Mark Sapolis, and my co-host, as always, the man who dissects every number in the world, and he's probably dissecting the COVID numbers right across the world as well, is the uh, ever-lovely Shane Leonard from Data Driven Sports Analytics. Shane, thank you once again for joining us. Thanks, Mark. And yes, I do do look at some uh, COVID-related <laughs> visualizations. Uh, good, to, good to see the latest trends, so I'm guilty. <laughs> Oh, Shane, you uh, never cease to amaze me with your numbers, mate. You uh, you count in your sleep, apparently, that's what I'm hearing, and uh, there's no doubt your numbers are the best in every single game, including the COVID one, so well done on that. But today's a really interesting one. I, I've been really looking forward to uh, to this, this week's topic because it talks a little bit about something that I don't think has been touched on around the world in terms of numbers. This is about movement numbers. So we look at, you know, the ability to move on the court is really important to be able to have great positioning to be able to execute the, the the shots as best as possible. So that's a really important one. So I think we're going to dissect the numbers today and what you found over the last uh, few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I want to start with the sta- statement that um, movement in tennis is complicated. You're, you're moving in all directions. At times you you have to get off the ground. You need to squat. You need to stretch. Um, it's through the splits, it's complicated. So just to maybe even set the scene, if, if you guys have your social media um, nearby, just jump onto the, the Driven Sports Analytics channel and just have a look or some vision that I've got of Guido Pair against Grigor Dimitrov. Um, this is match point and, and you just see how many direction changes he has to do, move forwards, backwards. It's quite interesting and fascinating and um, it's remiss of me not to say thank you to Kevin Confey, the coach of Guido, who allowed me to share the vision of the work we did. So if you're listening in Buenos Aires, Argentina, thank you. Um, but yeah, going back to the topic, it's it's very rare that an athlete will have a complete say in where they want to go to in a point. So so I want to put it to you, Mark, but when you're bringing up uh, a young athlete at the grassroots level or, or even at um, a more accomplished sort of at a tour level, how do you sort of train for that complexity? Yeah, and that's, and that's the thing is that movement is complex. But I think the, the biggest, I guess, mistake coaches make in coaching is they coach too rigid. Basically, the game of tennis, as you said, and you, you nailed it, is it's an adaptable game. You know, if your movement isn't adaptable and fluid, you're in the wrong game because you need to be able to read, move, adapt, uh, and that's the keys to to developing any athlete. Now, as a coach, I know that 70% of the movement in tennis is lateral. I know that 20% on average is forward and 10% is backwards. Now, I can use that sort of data, but at the same time, I can't close the game down and not allow players to make decisions and read the game and be able to anticipate because that's what the game is asking us to do. As you said, 
And the, the movements that Guido probably made were so complex that you didn't even know where he was going. He probably didn't even know where he was going to go. And you can't train for, for um, variation like that. You just have to allow for variation to occur. And you have to allow for the environment to teach the athlete as opposed to the coach teaching every single movement, every step of the way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you, and this, is, this is something, uh, if you tune into to tennis and watch the commentary, you always hear the uh, statement like, he needs to move more forward or she needs to get up the court. And, and it's something that, not, not, not this bugged me, I, I just think that statement's thrown out there maybe too easily. Going back to that Guido example, there were a couple of times where he moved backwards in that point and that was absolutely the right play that he needed to make. That's an interesting one because, you know, like I look at that and I, I hear the, the commentators as well. Now, I think, I'm hoping the commentators are talking more about movement forward from a tactical perspective to take away the time and space. That's my hope. Players will have an intent. So every time you hit a ball, you have an intention as to what you're trying to do. Now, you're talking about Guido's example here, and I think it's important to understand his intent when he goes backwards is like a Nadal to be able to hit higher and heavier over the net. Now, I can't go forward to a ball, take it on the rise and hit high and heavy. So I need to go backwards. And that's the the, uh, understanding of the game as well as combining the movement with your intent. So generally, if I, you know, I think this is where, and again, coaches go a little bit wrong here, is that we need to train decision-making, anticipation, intent, instead of, um, I want you to hit a shot looking like this all the time. There's no one way to hit a shot. It's about adapting to whatever incoming ball is and, and being able to have an intent to play a ball back whichever way you want to play it. And then your body will then, take over and instinctively do what your mind is telling it to do because every thought creates an action. Really good point. And I think something you've touched on um, as well in the past about that sort of intent. And and for me, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be the very next ball that you need to do it. But if you've got that sort of intent to get there in maybe a couple of shots, that's fine as well. I think another thing which you've taught me about some of the things that might actually cause differences is, is the grip. So certain players will have a grip which allow them to maybe take it a bit earlier and certain players need a bit more time. So I'd love for you to sort of touch on that. Yeah, absolutely. And it'd be... Interesting, and obviously over the next few months and years, Shane, we're, we're obviously putting together a lot of this sort of stuff in terms of heat maps and court position. But, you know, game styles, grips, uh, all give you an idea of where the player is going to play from. Obviously, you know, you look at your, your um, South Americans or, your, you know, the Europeans have, have grown up on clay. A lot of the time they'll generally go backwards to, to hit the ball higher and heavier. They might have more rounded grips to the Westerns and semi-Westerns kind of, kind of grips that, they need some time to be able to lift the ball and shape it. Um, and then you've got a lot of the players that will hold the Eastern groups, the Juan Martin Del Potros, who you'll very rarely see go backwards and play high and heavy. Um, you know, it's a very, very rare thing in his game. So, you know, it's important to understand the player's game style, the, the player's grips and how it all relates to movement because your movement is only a result of what your grips and your game style have given you. So, you know, coaches need to be able to uh, profile their athletes to be able to put them into a category that they go, okay, well, this is the court position because this is the grips they use and this is the game style they have and this is the intent that they want to, want to be able to play with. So you've got to match up all those things to be able to create a really rounded athlete in terms of movement. I'm going to throw some interesting stats and I'm going to say, interpret this with a little bit of caution. And so I'll put the caveats on there, but, but it, they are interesting. So Rafael Nadal, on average, moves more forward during a point than Roger Federer. So when you break this up, he moves on average 16 centimetres more on return. Roger does move a bit 
more forward on average on serve, but overall Nadal does more. But what you need to sort of unpick there is Nadal's return position, starting position is is further back. I was going to say to you, where, where's that base from? Because obviously Nadal's court position starts back and he works his way forward, whereas Roger Federer would probably hold his ground and court position more than Rafa. It'd be interesting to see uh, the differences between Nadal, Federer and Djokovic. Djokovic would be all lateral. Nadal would be back to forward and Federer would be lateral and forward. Uh, and that would be an interesting way to look at him and the heat maps would be very, very interesting. Yeah, you, you are spot on. So it was oh, actually thanks. one of my next points, but you stole, stole my thunder, mate, but uh, that's all right. Hey, see, you, you keep get, getting into me about that you're the factual man. But let me tell you, my eyes are factual, Shane, and don't you ever mess with my uh, my experience. So no, no, I, I, I understand. And it's, it's interesting because from, a, from the naked eye, that's what you see. You see those players play in those lines. Um, and I always talk about lines on the court as, in terms of court position. It's something that we can dissect as we go along. But yeah, I, I want to hear your thoughts around that, those movement patterns of those three players. Well, I won't sort of labour on it too long, but uh, on the on the women's as well, um, Venus Williams actually on average moves more forward to Serena, but she, if you, if you look at it, she does actually approach the net um, and hit more volleys, um, which is probably more aligned to, to her game than um, Serena, who's still arguably the, the best sort of player from the back of the court in, in the women's game. It is interesting because obviously they're very, very similar players, but Serena plays very lateral. She's a very lateral athlete. Um, doesn't go back very often. Uh, when she does, she comes forward very quickly, uh, whereas Venus will play uh, start back a little bit play lateral and then look to play in a triangle forwards. Um, and that's her sort of heat map is, you know, lateral to forward. Serena's is more lateral. Um, it'd be interesting to see a couple of girls with more rounded groups and, and whether or not they just sit back a fraction more. You know, Suarez Navarro maybe comes to mind and might sit off the court a little bit and, and play a little bit heavier. You know, or even a Sam Stozer is another one who needs more time and space on her forehand. So it's obviously adapting to game styles and, and grips and swing lines. Yep, absolutely. Sounds like you've uh, subtly given me some homework there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always giving you work after shows, mate. Let me tell you that. Um, and that's why I love you because you go away and you do the work. So it's, it's good fun. But, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting co- uh, topic because, you know, as a coach now, going through so many different revolutions of my philosophy. I, I, you know, I've turned 360. You know, I was all technical based when I first started. And you change that as you go along into more, oh, no, I need to teach the, the tactics more. And then, no, 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 I need to teach the movement first. Oh, no, no, the mindset's more important. And it just keeps going around in a, in a carousel pretty much. And you keep trying to evolve your philosophy and, and the way that you coach. But, you know, if I, if I take a deep dive into it, the movement is such a critical component to having a really good technique to be able to create really good options from a tactical perspective. And obviously, if you're doing those sort of things really well, then mentally you're in a really good mindset. So it's a, the movement is a very big element to coaching and a big element to creating positivity in your athletes. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, on a related team, and I, I did want to touch on this in today's podcast and get your opinions, Mark, but sliding and changing directions. Um, and, I, and I suppose the traditional recovery steps, and this is something um, certainly my eyes sort of showed that from the, the mid sort of 2000s that um, more players were comfortable sliding um, on, on the on the hard court and even on the, on the grass a bit more. Uh, obviously, they've been doing it for clay since probably the start of clay. One of the things that we tag at DDSA is something called hardball gets. And this is where you chase down a ball that um, 
you have a very sort of limited chance of normally getting back into play. So in matches since 2005, players are getting on average 13% of these balls back, whereas matches before that we've got in our data set, it was only 5.8. And, and, I, and I want to sort of t- touch on, is this perhaps one of the reasons, is the change to sort of sliding more, that saving of, of the time in not having to do the full sort of recovery steps, is there some sort of link? Uh, and, and I'd be curious yeah. to know in terms of uh, coaching at a grassroots level, are, are you seeing more players sort of throw away the traditional sort of recovery step in favor of the, the, the slide or what, what are your thoughts? Very interesting topic of conversation because obviously the game has gotten so much quicker, you know, and it's about saving milliseconds uh, as we call it. And the sliding element takes away that extra step past the ball and then back one more step. So you're saving two steps. You're almost saving half a second to a second every time that you maybe slide into the ball. And you see the best players and the best movers are able to slide on any surface. It doesn't matter where they are. And that does save the recovery time, which then saves the court space time and doesn't allow the, the opponent to take away your, your time and space as much. So it is interesting. I see a lot of kids watching the TV and replicating what they see on TV. The Alex Demon, or the Gail Monfils, the Novak Djokovic, the sliding into the ball. It is dangerous, let me tell you that much. And obviously you need players that are well aware of their bodies and have great motor skill and motor skill control. But you know, I think it's important that we see that as an element creeping into the game but don't go and teach an eight-year-old how to slide on a hard court. Probably not going to work. It's a matter of understanding that they're physically capable enough to do that and always start on a clay or a, or a surface that you can slide on. You know, I do a lot of practice of sliding on synthetic grass when it's wet. You know, we have a little synthetic grass patch on our, outside of our tennis cl- uh, club and when it rains, we do a little bit of sliding work because it's, it, it gives for the athletes a little bit more. So it's important to start on an easier surface before you move to a more dangerous kind of element on a hard court. Some really good tips there. And I think, yeah, it's interesting to, to see how the, the, the game's sort of evolving. And I think you're absolutely right. The the, the game is very ballistic now. It seems like it's um it's very faster. The rackets are uh, more powers. The strings are giving more power and more spin. So it's, it's forcing athletes to probably take the game to a level which we haven't seen before and I'm sure if we look at the game in five ten years there'll be something new that's been brought into to the game as well or something that's evolved so it's important that you continue to keep looking uh, and certainly turn to the data because I think the data is a, a really good indicator to show that the game is moving and that's where you, you should be focusing on yeah and it tells you where the game is moving to which is really important so as a coach, I have to continually look not where the game currently is. Sometimes you've got to look past where the game is now to where it's going. Um, and you've got to look at the trends. And that's, you know, not only the data is important, but the trends of the game are important to be able to stay relevant and to be able to stay up to date with what, what the game is telling us that we need to coach. So, you know, as always, Shane, you know, you, you, bring, you bring the magic, you bring the special, uh, the special dust to our, our show and you, you give us, you know, what we want to hear because, you know, this is, you know, something as a coach that I see with my eyes, but it's very hard to be able to, you know, factually give information to, to the kids that I'm coaching. And obviously the sliding is a really important element. The directional changes are an important element. But if you're a coach out there, just make sure your environment is adaptable, you know, and you're allowing kids to be able to experiment with their movement, experiment with their change of direction, um, experiment with reading the game and not just close the game down and give them nothing to look at. So I do appreciate, once again, everything that you're doing for this game because you are leading the way in terms of the numbers, you know, continually 
giving us, you know, what the game is actually telling us. So thanks very much, Shane. Once again, Shane Leonard from Data Driven Sports Analytics has, you know, given us those numbers. So thank you again, Shane, for your time. All right, thanks, Mark. And thanks uh, for everyone listening. And uh, yes, stay tuned because I'm very keen to get some of this sort of movement data into the crunch their numbers package for the tennis menu as well. So um, look forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. You can check us out at www.thetennismenu.com where Shane does have a lot of data dissected there and gives you the latest numbers in the game. Um, and we dissect it from a practical perspective as well. And you can also listen back to all of our podcasts that we've done here on Crunching the Numbers. And we align that with every topic that we do have. As well as that, you also find all the First Serves podcasts uh, in the First Serve uh, page on the website. Please go and check it out because you've got so many different podcasts there from the weekly radio show to In the Huddle from a college perspective. Uh, Aussies Only is an incredible podcast uh, going through you know, a lot of the players that have come through the Australian system. And you know, we do appreciate the platform we're given on the first serve to be able to bring this podcast to you weekly. So thank you very much to everyone for listening. That has been another episode of Crunching the Numbers. We'll see you next week. Subscribe to The First Serve via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform to listen at your convenience to all our weekly content, including past editions of Crunching the Numbers, as well as our dedicated commercial radio program each Monday on SEN that you may have missed at 7pm Eastern, Aussies Only, and In the Huddle, produced by Study and Play USA. Subscribe to The First Serve, your home of tennis. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.